Steelers, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is victory lane and today it is the johnny patterson and johnny allen edition of the show johnny patterson looked it up 20 career starts in the 58 car four career top fives no wins but johnny allen had one win in that car i don't know what year it was and i don't know why but i thought for some reason that stacy compton in the kingsford car was that 58 i guess it was 57 or something but when i looked it up on driveraverages.com stacy compton did not pop up so oh well anyways on the johnny and johnny edition of victory lane we have real racing to recap i'm so happy about that and we have lots of it from south carolina two cup races one xfinity race both of them the cup races that is were really entertaining and the xfinity race had a heck of a finish so I am still at my girlfriend's parents' bay house, so I will not be super, super loud, and I will actually muffle myself into a pillow as we start this episode with a good, old-fashioned, here's the pillow coming, reggaeton! I hope you still got it. Cup Series returns to racing at Darlington Raceway for two races in one week. That was fun, right? We'll get to fr- uh, Wednesday. I was going to say Friday because it is Friday right now. But Sunday, this past Sunday, we had the Real Heroes 400. Kevin Harvick dominates the race, leads the most laps, and wins. A big, big day for him. Win number 50 of his career. He passes his friend and owner, Tony Stewart. He's now tied with Hall of Famers Ned Jarrett and Junior Johnson on the all-time wins list. And it's a milestone victory for him. A really dominant car, like I said. But how about the day overall? Because, as I mentioned... Led over 100 laps, was by far the quickest car of the day in that Bushlight Ford for Stuart Haas. And getting that milestone victory, that is a big, big day for him. Yeah, well, the first thing I want to do is just thank everybody from NASCAR, uh, all the teams, and, and the whole industry for getting us back on the racetrack. I think everybody in this garage is, is so excited to be here. I was up at 6 o'clock pacing around my porch this morning, you know, trying to uh, trying to decide when I was going to leave. So uh, I was excited to get back in the car. Uh, today was just a, a well-executed day. We were fortunate, to, uh, you know, we had the, the first pit stall, kept our track position all day, and, and were able to, um, you know, have a, a good bushlight forward and have good restarts and do everything we needed to do to to keep our track position. And, and in the end, that was that was the key for us. Uh, we had a fast car, but um, you know, staying out front was was um, was the key to the equation. Of course, there were no fans in attendance, and you can kind of tell pre-race and post-race, but during the race. You couldn't really tell the difference. The thing is, though, when Regan Smith and Fox Sports came over with the boom mic to interview him after he won and he climbed out of the car on the front stretch and then he went to victory lane afterwards by himself wearing a mask, that was the weird part because, as Kevin says right here, that was something that he missed. The weirdest part of the day for me was getting out of the car and not hearing anybody cheering. You know, I think as as you look at that, the, the part in the car was 
is really not that much because you know when the, the engines are running and things are running, it's you know you're just in your own little world in the car. Um, you know, look, I, I I've been around this deal for a long time. This is not like anything I've ever experienced, but I can tell you that it's very similar to you know coming back after 9/11. Um, but that day had you know just 100,000 fans in the stands, and, and now you have no fans. So the practice and in the car part are, are something that we can all figure out. The part of, of of not having any fans in the infield for for me that kind of took some of that enthusiasm of of the win away just because of the fact that you weren't able to celebrate with the with the crowd and and so for me that was that was really awkward because I feed off of that stuff and and enjoy those those types of moments and and you know I for for me didn't really know what to say after the race because it's just a, such a unique situation that that we're in. I mentioned that he tied two Hall of Famers in Ned Jarrett and Junior Johnson. He doesn't really want to talk about legacy because, as he says here, it's kind of one of those things that you don't really think about or know until you're done done. But the fact that he's up there in that list and in the same breath as those guys, that holds a lot of weight. Well, when you say those when you say those two names, obviously they, they're a, a huge part of us uh, who help build this sport and obviously Hall of Famers. And, it's, you know, it's just an honor to, to have your, your name next to them. So, you know, for it's a little bit um, surreal, I guess you'd say, because of the fact that I you don't really like it things. Um, but, you know, it would be disrespectful uh, to not give those guys credit for, for what they do and, and, you know, what a huge honor it is to, to have my name sitting next to them. So I've been fortunate. Um, you know, especially since I've, I've come to Stuart Haas Racing, this was 27 wins together with this group of guys. And I think that experience today, of, you know, going into our seventh year here uh, has really paid off, you know, in, in getting our car right, making adjustments on our car, um, you know, rebounding from the adversity of a bad pit stop and all the things that, that came with the day uh, turned into a race winning day. And, and that says a lot about the experience of our team. Uh, the depth that we have, um, you know, with everything that Gene and Tony give us, it's, it's just been a lot of fun to to drive fast race cars. And, and you know, to, to have your name next to those guys goes to show you how fortunate I am to be able to, to ride in those fast race cars. And, and uh, we've been able to capitalize on a few. This was the first installment of the post-race Zoom teleconference. Uh, Matt Humphrey at NASCAR ran. He did a great job. I know you're listening to Matt. Of course he's not. But anyways, I actually got to ask a question, which I was kind of shocked about. Sorry for the background noise. You can thank Jim Utter for not muting himself on the Zoom call. <laughs> um, I asked him about Matt Kenseth because I was curious. I mean, Matt Kenseth got a top 10 finish in his first race back. After over a year on the sidelines, also shout out to Tyler Reddick and John Hunter Nemechek for getting top 10s on Sunday as well. But how does this guy come out of retirement, even though he didn't use that word, beat up with these younger guys, get a top 10 finish, and he was passing like champions. He was passing Logano earlier in the race. He was passing his teammate Kurt Busch, and although Kurt finished third, and we'll hear from him in a second, he has already elevated that team, I just think, cachet-wise and knowledge-wise. So I wanted to see Kevin's perspective on Matt Kenseth, and here was his answer. Hey, Kevin, congratulations on the win. You've obviously had the old guys rule moniker, and that's been a thing of yours, and that paid dividends today. I'm curious as, as to what you thought of Matt Kenseth's performance, earning a top 10 today in his first start with the package and at a tough racetrack of all places. I know you reached around him a little bit today, but what did yes. you think of him? Send the question to Matt Humphrey. Okay, thank you. Know, you. you know, here, here, here's the thing about Matt Kenseth. He should have never quit. 
Matt Kenseth was winning races when, when he retired. So, you know, I think as, as you look at that uh, whole situation of, of when, he, when he got kind of moved out of Gibbs, uh, Matt Kenseth is going to be a huge part of, of that race team and, and making Chip Ganassi racing better. He's going to be great for the sponsors. And, you know, I think as, as you look at that, I mean, um, experience and, and skill, uh, you know, go a long way in our sport. So if you have those two things like, like Matt does, uh, you're going to be successful. And, and you don't just forget how to do that. So Matt's a, Matt's a pro and, you know, a very good one at that. That answer actually kind of made the rounds on social media because he said, um, as you heard there, he shouldn't have never quit. And I feel like when he said that, Matt was listening and he was like, well, Kevin, I never quit. But at the same time, he kind of did because he did have a ride. But then he was like, eh, I'm good. And that's the whole thing. Race winning crew chief Rodney Childers on the setup and strangeness of the day. And as he says here, they were debating bringing the same car back on Wednesday. And they actually decided to do that. So right after this, they drove home, stripped down the chassis, uh, made sure everything was in place, and then just put a new wrap on it, Mobile One from Bush Light, and they brought it back on Wednesday. But race-winning crew chief Rodney Childers for the second time of his career at the Lady in Black. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a good day for us. You know, we, we had a, I guess you call it a good car off the truck, you know, and, and uh, we were able to to roll through uh, tech first this morning and, and able to roll it straight to the grid and uh, relax and, and just think about the race and, and what the racetrack was going to do over time and, and the things that we needed to uh, be prepared for and, and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we had a, a good car at the beginning of the race. We, we fought being a little bit too tight and uh, we had to free it up for a while and, and got it pretty good through the, through the middle of the race. Uh, you know, the guys on pit road, you know, we're awesome all day. We had great pit stops and we had one, uh, one slip up and uh, got us back there in, in traffic for, for one run. But Kevin was able to, um, you know, fight back through there just a little bit. And then we were able to have another uh, couple pit stops and cautions that the guys were able to knock it out of the park and get us back in the lead. And, and that was really key to get us back in, in clean air and track position and, and have control of the race. How about runner-up Alex Bowman? Pretty solid run for him, I'd say. Pretty solid couple days. Hendrick had a heck of a day, too, but this comes right after he signed a contract extension of one year through 2021 with Hendrick Motorsports. And it was an up-and-down day for their organization as a whole because you had oh, Jimmy Johnson, who's going to win stage one, and he's he's back, everybody, and then he crashes on the last lap of the stage. I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And William Byron, he won that stage, and then he was running well in the second stage, and he was trying to get by Denny Hamlin, I believe it was, and he had a loose wheel from the prior pit stop and slammed the wall and then spun out, and his day kind of spiraled out of control. Chase Elliott had a solid run on Sunday, but Alex Bowman was the one that led the Hendrick Motorsports Brigade with a second-place run. Yeah, it was great to be back. Um, obviously a little different, but uh, felt really good to get back in the car. Really, we're really strong on short runs right off the bat. Just got tight as the runs went on. Um, freed it up quite a bit throughout uh, the first two-thirds of the race. And it got the car pretty good. Then I kind of leaned on the wall a little bit and, and hurt us there at the end. But um, just a little bit off. I felt like I didn't do a great job of knowing what I needed to be able to beat the four there on long runs at the end. I felt like if I could have gotten in front of them uh, on the short run, I could have held them off with clean air. But I, I didn't 
really know I, I could get the car free right on the wall or, or get it tight by turning down off the wall a little bit. And I didn't really know which direction to go on that last change. So uh, I got to do a little better job there, but really happy with uh, everybody at Hendrick Motorsports and ChevyGoods.com and NOCO uh, to come off of a little mini off season there and have four cars that were all really strong and uh, have a good solid day like that. It, it means a lot and uh, can't wait to get back here on Wednesday. Third place was Kurt Busch. Um, he was actually my pick coming into the day. And he said that he could feel the fans through the television cameras, which I literally laughed out loud at. But third place for him ain't too shabby. He was my pick because he was a veteran and he's he's had a lot of success here before. And he's won at Darlington before, I'm 99% sure. But a lot of people just associate him and Darlington with Ricky Craven, which frankly is, is fair and right to do. But I knew that he was going to have a fast hot rod coming in because experience plays a lot, especially in this certain scenario. Wow, this was a, a great feeling to be able to have such a good car with a good team at Chip Ganassi Racing and to be out there with no fans, but yet I could feel them all the way through the television cameras out there racing hard and, and just trying to put on a good show. And I think we were a third place car with the Monster Energy Chevy. We um, were a little tight to start the race and that pace that Kevin Harvick had for the first 10 laps uh, was, was tough to beat. And Bowman was really quick. You know, his setup, like from uh, Fontana, uh, helped him here today. We had a really good run at Fontana. And so to dance with the lady in black, I'll, I'll take a third place finish. Uh, it was great to be out there and to race 200 miles an hour and to feel G-forces again and to have a day where I, I was out there working and being part of a team. And so, again, just thanks to Matt McCall and everybody making good adjustments. And it uh, felt good all the way through with good teamwork. I also highly encourage you guys, once you're done listening to this fine podcast, to go over to the Dale Jr. Download, if you haven't already, and listen to the Kurt Busch appearance on that show. It was, I mean, I listen to that show every single week, and I, I listen to every show that Kurt is on because I just consume all the NASCAR podcasts in the space, but that conversation was so incredibly captivating for me. I don't know why, I think maybe because Kurt opened up a little bit. And Dale got him to kind of reflect on things, but that was just really cool. So I encourage you guys to give that a listen. NASCAR Executive Vice President and Chief Racing Development Officer Steve O'Donnell, odd Steve as we call him, OD, gave us his perspective on how everything went on Sunday, which I got to hand it to him. It was pretty flawless. First of all, I think you've heard it, you know, many times, but sincerely appreciate all the frontline workers, especially in this area allowing us to come back. Uh, Kerry Tharp and his team did a great job. Um, things actually went smoother than we could have expected, getting all the teams in and inspection went well. So all in all, really good day for the sport. Uh, excited to be back. Hopefully uh, the fans enjoyed it on television. Surely a little odd not having fans in the stands, but I uh, know that the fans were with us in spirit for sure. There were no mask issues, no crew members or anybody on the premises refused to wear them. There were no distancing issues with the teams. There was only one time when the spotters were maybe a little bit too close together and they radio communicated to those specific spotters to spread out. And the TV angle that kind of went viral on Twitter of the spotters, that was just a, a bad angle because Hannah Newhouse, who's a prior guest on this show and a wonderful friend of mine, tweeted out a video of the spotters on the spotter stand and they were six to eight feet apart, all of them sprawled out across the front stretch grandstand. So everything went well, according to Steve O'Donnell. So what now? 
Yeah, so what now is, is the same that's been in place prior to us even going back racing. So this wasn't a let's just show up at Darlington and race once and then we'll figure out a plan. Uh, the, the teams are all aware of what they need to do. Most, if not all, the teams have a road crew that is separate. Uh, I talked to Chad Canals this morning. He has not even been in his shop, hadn't even seen the car until they unloaded today. Uh, so the drivers will be in the same boat. Uh, Self-isolate. Um, they will report. Anyone will report any symptoms um, to us through the roster. We'll be able to track that. Uh, and then we'll also have another go-round when we come into the track on Wednesday uh, when, when I'm talking about just cup uh, to do this all over again and make sure everybody's uh, racing in a safe environment. We'll get to Wednesday in a second, but I, I really just, I'm one of those guys and I think everybody is, you know, you're really hard on NASCAR when they don't do something right. And I think that stems from a place of wanting it to be better. Right. But when you're, when you're first to criticize, you got to be first to praise. And I have nothing praise for what they have done i mean especially dealing with all of the rain that they had for the last five six seven days almost at darlington and doing everything they possibly could to get the races in how they presented them on television give a kudos to nascar on fox you know i'm a company man through and through with nbc but fox did an incredible job you could not even tell that the broadcasters were calling that race remotely the camera angles were great. Everything about it was great, from the racing on track to the way that TV uh, produced and disseminated the information. I, I didn't listen to the MRN radio broadcast, but I'm sure they did a kick-ass job as usual. Steve O'Donnell and NASCAR, they deserve a lot, a lot, a lot of credit. And I think, uh, I forget who it was, but somebody with the NBA hit up Steve Phelps and basically was like, somebody has to be brave enough to go out on that plank and, and try this first, and we are all rooting for you. And the ratings came back. I think it was a, a hair over 6.3 million people watched it. Um, I expected it to be higher, frankly, but that is not bad at all. So they waited a couple days, had some issues with the rain, and came back for some Wednesday night NASCAR. Oh, my favorite. I Where to even begin here, I do not know. The event, I call it an event because it was not just a race. It was more than that. The event it was so entertaining from start to finish. You had comers and goers. You had tire strategy. You had a lot of fall off. You had tempers flaring. You had beating and banging. You had hilarity that ensued. You had animals on the racetrack all on a Wednesday. Like, that doesn't happen. That's why I was so excited about this Wednesday night NASCAR thing. And we'll get to that at the end of this race recap because I think that they have a real opportunity here to market this thing and make it huge. But let's jump to the end where it gets interesting. 29 laps to go. Kyle Busch wrecks the hell out of Chase Elliott. And uh, Chase wasn't happy, as he shouldn't have been. So he gets out of the car, waits for him to drive by, flips him the bird. Twitter goes crazy. Um, but at that time, Denny Hamlin's leading the race because he had the lead on a restart. Matt Benedetto, I believe, was starting on the front row with them. He kind of fell back like a rock. But since the caution came out, coming to complete that first lap, he finished ninth. Um, so anyways, the caution comes out because Kyle wrecks Chase. Denny has scored the leader. Then the reins come back down. The cars are brought down pit road. They're stopped for a while. And then it's clear that there's 29 laps to go. Would we love to finish this thing? Absolutely. Can we finish this thing? Eh, probably. But is it worth it to, to wait out this storm for another 30 minutes, then dry the track for another hour, hour and a half, then get the cars back going, and then... 
what, by the time that's over, it's going to be what, 1.32 in the morning? After all that we've tried to get this race in already, you know what, let's take what we can get and call this race. So they did call the race. Um, Denny Hamlin is the winner. He wins the Toyota 500 for Joe Gibbs Racing. So, <laughs> and by the way, I, before we get to the mask, uh, during that rain delay that seemed to be really, really short, a fox literally just appeared on the track. That was amazing. Uh, I don't know why that was so funny. What does the fox say? And then when they call the race, Denny's in his car. He takes off his helmet. He reaches in this little pocket in the cockpit, and he puts on the mask to end all masks. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, you better just Google Denny Hamlin mask because it is the funniest thing ever. It's literally the bottom half of his face. So when he puts it on, it's showing emotion like he's smiling and everything. It's it's. I, I literally laugh whenever I think about it or see it. And we'll hear from him as to why he decided to get that mask made. But it was really, really funny. I, I don't even know where to start in terms of like recapping this race. I guess that we can get to the winner himself, Denny Hamlin. He walks us through his night, albeit rain-shortened. And he was a quick car all night, don't get me wrong, but he was not the quickest. The 9 of Chase Elliott was up there. The 4 of Kevin Harvick was up there. Clint Boyer won the first two stages. He seemed to be one of, if not the, car to beat. He obviously ended up beating himself and slammed the wall a little bit and then spun out. But Denny Hamill was a quick car, just not the quickest, but sometimes you got to have luck to go along with your good car and your skill. And that wound up being a victory for Denny Hamlin, his third career at Darlington. We uh we just were we're really good all day all night or you know, whatever, just uh we made really good adjustments between the two races and really worked hard to get our car a little bit better than what it was here uh, on Sunday and really things just kind of worked out. We got that long green flag run where we made up a lot of track position. I don't I don't know where we restarted, but we certainly uh, made up a lot of spots um, and got to you know pretty close to Chase there before the caution came out. Uh, we was just going to be a few laps before we overtook him. But, um, you know, at that point, then Brad stays out, four cars on the lead lap. We, um, I thought the right strategy since the 15 was in the mix. Uh, I thought the strategy, you wanted to be on the outside on, on restarts anyway, so I wanted to come out of pit road last. Uh, that way I had fresh tires over Chase, who uh, stayed out there and had two lap tires. And, um at that point on, another caution comes. We decided to stay out because we had just taken tires and we didn't have enough tires left. So we were trying to re-glue those tires that had two laps on them and uh, wasn't able to get them glued up in time for us to pit. So we decided to stay out and it was the right call. I think that's pretty interesting that they didn't have enough tires at the end because I think I saw that the teams were given nine sets for what was going to be through like what, 311 laps or I think it was 311 miles, but... 280 something laps I mean that's that's running through him right there and in terms of midweek racing on Wednesdays he says NASCAR has a heck of an opportunity here and they're presented something in a certain spot that they got to take advantage of uh yeah everything you said uh copy and paste it's, uh, certainly I, I think you know especially during the summer months I think there's an opportunity for us to own the summer uh when there's less you know less sports going on but we're I mean NASCAR's got a great fan base as it is. No matter what, no matter what, uh, no matter what's on TV, we we got a very avid fan base, and certainly believe that uh, we can make it work. And I think the fans is, and and a lot of people have spoken about midweek races, and it's unfortunately unfortunately that we're in the position that we are that it's forced our hand to do it. 
but um, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, you know, we've got the opportunity now to be uh, on a bigger stage on our own uh, during prime time on a weeknight. Yes, 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 yes. So much yes to that, Denny Hamlin. Uh, copy paste. Yes, I agree. And I'll get to that in a minute. The mask he had, as I mentioned, it was something else. It really was. And I'm still laughing about it. Where did that come from? Whoever asked this question, thank you for asking. Hey, Denny, congrats on the win. I was just wondering, whose idea was the mask? <laughs> it was mine. I was just thinking that, uh, you know, I, I texted my guy that helps me out with some social stuff. And I was like, you know, you know, I, it, it covers my face and it covers everyone's face. And you're kind of like, you know, you really don't get any sense of any emotion from them. And I'm like, man, you need to make me like a, you find someone that paints that can paint me like a happy face and a sad face just kind of depends on which, which, uh, how the race finishes. And so we only had happy mass today. So I guess that was a sign that we didn't need the sad one. Good on you for that. And a third career win at Darlington. I know you said that this place means a lot to you and it's really tough. What does it mean to you to get a third win here? I mean, I, I just love the racetrack. It's one of my favorites, uh, certainly in my top two or three. It's just I think it's a driver's racetrack. I think that the driver can make up a little bit of maybe what his car doesn't have with moving around the racetrack, different lines, um, throttle and brake application. There's a lot of things that a driver can do to – and make his performance better at this type of racetrack. So that's why I like it so much. And really from my very first start here in the Xfinity series back in 2004, uh, I just took to it quickly and, and it's, we've had a ton of success and ever since. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. And Denny was also made available to the media on Thursday morning. So uh, I wanted to know about the preparation aspect of things in terms of running two races in a span of, Three days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay, four days. Never mind, can't do math. Running two races in a span of four days and then coming back to run the longest, most grueling race on you, I guess physically you could say. Southern 500 is up there, but Coca-Cola 600, that is a long, long time in a race car, and that's a different beast. And Dustin Albino, my colleague at Front Stretch, also asked him about the last dance, so I wanted to uh, get his thoughts on that too. Hey, Danny, you mentioned you're in the, the best shape of your career right now, but with, with more races within a small time frame, do you do anything differently hydration-wise during the week, especially leading into the 600 on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I will. I'll just kind of load up as much as I can on water um, and, and some other fluids you know, going into the weekend. Um, I don't think it's going to be too humid um, on, on Sunday. I think there will be some overcast, so – uh, it won't too, be too bad, but I mean, 600 miles is a long time for, for any racetrack. So uh, you've got to, you got to take your, your physical health uh, seriously. And um, you know, anytime you're dehydrated, you're not performing at your optimum level. So uh, I'll do my part and hopefully we got a fast enough car to win. Also, just following up on Dustin's question, you weren't asked to be in the last dance, were you? <laughs> no, no, I, I, uh, I, my relationship with him, um, you know, it's a little different. I don't have any of the firsthand stories uh, about being teammates or uh, in the management, but I, I just enjoyed, you know, you know, the dialogue uh, of the people that were there and hearing their side of the story and hearing how things went down. And of course, the video that they that they pulled has been around for years, but hearing people talk about, oh, during that moment, this is what was really going on. That that would to me was the most intriguing part. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Danny. 
How about race winning crew chief on Wednesday, Chris Gabehart, on the tire strategy that happened at the end? Because before that final caution came out, which wound up being a red flag and then they called the race, there was a lot of differing tire strategy that went on because teams were running out. As you heard Denny say, so Gabehart made the call to stay out, um, try to win that way, and well, it paid off pretty well, didn't it? Yeah, so um, we actually got ourselves in a little bit of a tire crunch there. And um, when we had that caution that trapped a bunch of cars a lap down, uh, Denny felt like um, he wanted to use our last set of tires there to get just a couple lap advantage uh, over the nine um, and, and restart fourth. There was a lot of strategy going on there. And uh, it put us because that was our last set of stickers, um, but we were taking off what had only had a lap and a half on them. So those were going to be the set that we'd put on uh, if we really needed them. They were going to be a lap and a half scuffs. And, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time once you glue them up to, to get the lug nuts where they're confident that you can do another pit stop. You know, you can't just put those tires right back on in 12 seconds. It takes a little time. So I wasn't 100% certain that, that we could have a flawless pit stop there. And if we had a lug nut knockoff, it would kill our day. And then on top of that, you know, we had seen some cars stay out. The 19 stayed out with, with 10 laps uh, old tires and was actually able to lead a good portion of the race So after doing it. So clearly, uh, clean air was really important. And I knew how good our car was. Uh, so I felt like uh, we could hold them off for, for a few laps if we needed to. And then the last bit of it was we knew rain was in the area. It was going to rain any minute. So... There were a lot of things that went into it, but the bottom line was I felt like we needed the lead right there, so I just stayed out. Runner-up Kyle Busch told us about the Chase Elliott incident, and as he says here, their relationship is cordial. He made a driver error. It was a mistake. You saw Jimmy make a mistake on Sunday. He's a seven-time champion. He's the greatest stock car driver of all time. He made a mistake. His fault. Kyle Busch right now is the greatest stock car driver that we have competing right now in 2020. He made a mistake. He owned it. It was 100% unintentional. I believe him with that. I don't think there's any reason to believe that he maliciously wrecked him on purpose. And that's that. And he said that he was going to reach out to Chase, which he did later on. And he told us that afterwards on the post-race Zoom call for the Xfinity race, which we'll get to here in a minute. He reached out to him and he said everything was good. Chase understood. Obviously, you can't really fix that problem, but it was unintentional. This thing just happens in racing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly going to reach out. Him and I have always had a, a cordial relationship over the years. I mean, um, certainly we're we're not near as close. We're not friends like you'd say um, him and Blaney are or anything like that. But um, I've known him since he was 12, 13 years old and been racing with him ever since then in late models and, and super late models and um, trucks and Xfinity cars, all that sort of stuff. So obviously I just made a mistake and misjudged the gap and um, sent him into the wall. And then that was entirely unintentional, but um, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely reach out to him and um, you know, tell him I'm sorry, tell him I hate it that it happened and all I can do, but that, that doesn't change the outcome of the night. So, um, you know, I hate it for him and his guys and, and um, yeah. And third place on Wednesday was Kevin Harvick. So a couple Solid finishes at Darlington, I'd say. An average finish of, what, 1.5? Yeah, not too bad if you'll ask me. And he probably would have been able to challenge even more so for the win on Wednesday if it weren't for terrible luck in terms of getting lane choices on the restart all night long. The, the, the top groove was really, really preferred. As Austin Dillon put out this week, a choose cone. I think that would be an incredible idea. Um, but Kevin got the bottom every single restart and just kind of fell back. 
Yeah, you know, we um, you know, we had to start twentieth and and battled um, you know, kind of an ill balanced car tonight. You know, the track conditions were just a lot different. Uh, we made some adjustments going into the race and, and just um, you know, couldn't get the front of the car to turn and every time we tried to adjust the back it would it would uh, you know, just take the back out. We never could get the front of the car to turn. I had to use a lot more throttle tonight and, and you know, the things I could do with the car uh, Sunday just, you know, I, I couldn't do tonight. So they kept uh, clawing and fighting. And in the end, we had a had a great pit stop on the last pit stop. And, and you know, we're in position to have a chance to, to win the race there. And, and it rained. But um, the whole night we wound up restarting on the on the bottom of the racetrack. And we'd, we'd lose three or four spots every time we'd restart. So we definitely didn't didn't uh, didn't get the the good end of the draw and the restarts but in the end our, our mobile one guys did a did a great job of just battling and sometimes you have great nights and sometimes you have nights you have to battle and it was a good two days in darlington for us before we move on to the xfinity race i just want to say and i tweeted this during the race i think sometime in stage two or maybe the early final stage this race had such a different and fun vibe to it and that was from me watching with like a three minute delay on my amazon fire stick here um, so I like, I saw what was going on on Twitter and I was watching it on TV, but it just seemed different and fun. And I think that was because of a multitude of reasons. It was because it was on a Wednesday for the first time since 1984. It was at night. Um, there was no fans. This was all different. Nobody was really knowing what to do with themselves because there was nobody there. Everybody was watching. It just seemed different. You know what I mean? Like I, and if you guys watched, I think you kind of know what I mean. It's just one of those things where you can't put your finger on one specific thing, but it just felt good. Like it was fun. It really was fun. Um, and Denny was right. NASCAR has an incredible, incredible opportunity that is presented to themselves right now on a silver platter. They have a chance to own the spotlight for however many years to come on Wednesday nights. Why not? It's not not feasible to do. It, it's so feasible. What else is going to be going on in the summer on Wednesday nights? Baseball. That's it. That's literally it. You're going to compete with baseball? Fine. You can beat baseball head-to-head one night a week. You can do that. Unless you have the World Series champion Washington Nationals and at the widely hated Houston Astros and Scherzer's pitch in Verlander, you're going to win. And maybe it's not even about winning. It's just about trying new things. It is so feasible. Okay, hypothetically, right? You're out on the West Coast doing the West Coast swing. And all this is about um, limiting costs for teams and making the schedule shorter so you don't have to compete against the NFL when it comes up in the fall, right? Right. Glad we're on the same page with that and the finances, okay? Instead of spending three weeks out on the West Coast going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and hotels and rental cars and all this stuff, here's an idea. You can go Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday and be done. Done. You go to Vegas on Sunday. You go to Phoenix on Wednesday. You go to Fontana on Sunday and you're done. And guess what you did? You ran three races in one week. You limited costs because the drivers didn't fly all the way back two separate times. They stayed out on the West Coast. All the teams did the same thing. You didn't have to get new hotel reservations. You stayed there for a week. You cut costs by, what, 66%? Something like that. 
and you got more racing in a small period of time. And for fans out there on the West Coast that don't have a lot of NASCAR to watch or go to in person, you can say, hey, look, you want to take some PTO? You want to take some vacation days? Do it and follow us all around the West Coast because we're going back to back to back. Huh? How about that? Maybe not even on the West Coast. You can do it on the Eastern Seaboard. May I present to you another hypothetical? Thank you for letting me do that. Darlington, Charlotte, Martinsville, Bristol, Richmond. What do those tracks have in common? They're all close together. They are all within driving distance of each other. So hypothetically, you can do what you did this week. You go to Darlington on Sunday, Charlotte on Wednesday. You can go back to Darlington on Sunday. You can do any variation. You can go to Martinsville on Sunday, Bristol on Wednesday, Richmond on Sunday. I don't care. It's feasible. Do it. It's so easy. It's there for the taking. What fan is going to say, oh, I don't like this. I want my Sundays to be all about racing. That's what I grew up on. That's what I want. Bullshit. Who cares? Stuff changes. Sorry for the language, but this shit will work. Condense that shit. Seriously, it's going to work. It will cut costs for everybody, which we need. It will create more interest for everybody, which we need. It will make more racing in less period of time, which we need. What is the negative here? What is it? I don't know. Is the negative that when coronavirus is done and there's fans that are able to come back to races, is the negative that on a Wednesday night you don't know how many fans you're going to get to show up because on a weekend you'll get more? Fine. That is a very, very valid point. You know what I say to that? You don't know until you try. And I think Steve Phelps and the NASCAR brass that have been working their butts off the past couple years, they have been willing to try and willing to admit that they have failed at certain things. And for that, I commend them. I hope that you listen to this and please try it. I'm I'm pleading with you. This is going to work. It can't not work. It makes too much sense financially to not work. So try it because I had a freaking blast on a Wednesday night doing nothing else in my life, watching NASCAR on TV with guys flipping the bird, people being pissed off at each other, laughing my butt off with the rest of the NASCAR community. And guess what? That wasn't even me being there. Imagine if I was there. Imagine if fans were in the stands and Chase Elliott flipped the bird at Kyle Busch on a Wednesday night and everybody's talking about it at work the next day at the water cooler. Oh, did you watch that NASCAR race last night? Oh, no, what happened? Oh, like, I'm not a NASCAR fan, but I actually watched, and it was pretty fun. This is what happened. Boom, you got new fans watching. I'm done. Rant over. I want more Wednesday night NASCAR. Oh, all right. That was fun. I like that rant. Um, Let's talk about this Xfinity race because it was was unreal. Chase Briscoe wins the rain-postponed Xfinity race in an instant classic finish with Mr. Xfinity Series Kyle Busch. I unfortunately was not able to watch this live, but what a freaking finish. Briscoe and Bush battling to the very end. The final lap was like that is that is quintessential stock car racing. I literally just got goosebumps as I'm thinking about that final lap. I'm not kidding. It was I don't like to say this often, but that was an instant classic of a finish. The backstory here is something too. So Chase and Marissa unfortunately announced earlier in the week that they suffered a miscarriage and their daughter had passed away. Incredible emotion with that, right? I can't even fathom what they were going through. I can't even fathom what Marissa was going through and Chase having to get in the car. So what does he do? Chase goes out there, wins the damn race. Are you kidding? 
So he gets to the start finish line, drops to his knees. He's crying. I, I can only imagine what that would be like if fans are there cheering him on, crying with him. I mean, God, I'm getting emotional now talking about it. And I wasn't even watching it live, but seeing it, oh, man, it's just, it was unreal. Chase is such a cool guy, too. I mean, I've gotten the chance to interview him a couple times, and he's just, he's just such a good dude. And um, to see him break down like that, just I think that got everybody because he was such a nice guy. And as he said, I mean, this wasn't really a question of him racing because he always said that he was going to do that. But he did admit that throughout the race, even when he was taking the lead, he was still emotionally a bit out of things. I knew that in the car would probably be the, the best therapy, I guess you could say, but I didn't know really how my reaction was going to be. Um, and truthfully, even the whole race, I was kind of out of it. Um, for sure the last, you know, 50 laps, um, just emotionally, I was kind of all over the place. Um, but it was still good. I mean, obviously now it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super glad I came back and raced, but I don't think there was ever a thought of, you know, not going racing just because you know, that's what we do. And that's, you know, the, the best therapy, at least for me and my, and my family. Um, so I, there wasn't ever a thought about sitting out. Um, but it certainly was tough. You know, it was probably better that Truthfully, that the race did get postponed to Thursday because we found out Tuesday afternoon. Um, so it honestly was a blessing in disguise that it rained Tuesday um, and was able to, you know, get a couple days at home and uh, then come down here. Kyle Bush, who finished second to Chase in that amazing finish, and Samantha Bush, they went through a similar situation. Um, they obviously have their son now, Brexton, but they struggled to conceive and they did IBF and everything, which Kyle touched on. He also kind of mentioned the public backlash which in hindsight was pretty rude of just everybody to assume that they were not with each other or someone was having an affair or whatever. But Kyle touched on that as well because he's one of the only people that, that we know of, at least, in NASCAR to kind of share that experience. It wasn't more difficult to get in the seat. It was just more difficult with um, the world still going on around you, and we weren't quite as open about it at that particular time. So uh, nobody really knew what, what was going on or what we were going through but had all their own opinions as to what was happening and what was going on. So uh, that was pretty dis disrespectful. But, um, you know, we're respecting Chase's privacy and, and everything. Um, my wife, Samantha, actually asked me to reach out and, uh, and find his phone number so we could reach out to them. And um, uh, so we, we have their contact information. I'm just not sure if Samantha's reached out to her yet in order to talk to her about anything. And Chase also said that Samantha did reach out to Marissa about the situation just to Say that she's there for her and she understands what she's going through. I hit the wall off the four pretty hard. Um, and, you know, getting into one, there was no way he was going to drive in any deeper than me. I wasn't going to let it happen. And, and to be able to drive back around him and then, you know, he almost got there in three and four. But just feeling that weight on my shoulders, I knew what it would mean to my wife. Um, so, I, I, like I said, I, I just knew that she was watching. I knew emotionally what she's been going through. You know, it's been hard for me, but it's nothing compared to what she feels just because, you know, it was inside of her, you know, that connection, that motherly bond. So, you know, just trying to do everything I could to, to be there for my wife. And I'm not the greatest at, at letting my emotions show and being there. So this is kind of my way of, of, you know, putting it all out there for her. Again, I mean, races don't get much better than that. Um, Marty Smith on Twitter said that it was inspiring along with emotional and unbelievable. And I think that's, that's a good, uh, that's a good adjective because it was something. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, that that's why you love sports, right? It, it was just really, really touching to watch. And, I mean, Chase talks all the time about his faith and 
and his belief in God. And whether or not you agree with that or you're you're preaching all that stuff or whatever, I mean, just the fact that this guy got in there, did what he did, won, it's unbelievable. It, that's one of the coolest stories that I think you'll see among this pandemic in sports because stuff like that does not happen every day, right? So congrats to Chase Briscoe, and our thoughts and prayers are with you and your wife, Marissa, and your whole family as you go through this really, really tough time. It, it's unimaginable, but that win, I'm sure... <laughs> I felt pretty damn good, so congrats to you, Chase. We have another race to preview, ladies and gentlemen. The Coca-Cola 600 from Charlotte Motor Speedway and another cup race that hopefully will follow on Wednesday if weather cooperates. Longest race of the season coming off of two races at Darlington. 600 grueling miles around Charlotte Motor Speedway. I actually had to look up who the defending winner was of the Coke 600. Uh, it's Martin Truex Jr. I didn't even know that, but he led over 100 laps. I guess I just forgot. But he's a two-time winner of this race because remember that one year, I think 2017, he won and he led literally all laps, but like four or six of them or something like that. So I'm looking at Truex. Maybe can he go back-to-back and get off the schneid for that 19 team at Joe Gibbs Racing uh, besides Denny, who has two wins for the organization this season. How about Hendrick? Can they keep up their momentum this season? I mean, Jimmy Johnson winning this one? That would be something. That would I think that'd be more of a popular win than Chase Briscoe's win yesterday as, as I'm recording this on Friday morning. But, man, Jimmy Johnson winning the Coke 600, that would be something with hopefully a lot of eyes on the sport with not much else going on. Although they're going to have to go against the golf, the charity golf match with Tiger, Phil, Brady, and Manning. But you know what I'm going to be watching. Um, I, I'm curious to see if Hendrick can keep up their momentum because Bowman is the best car in that stable right now. Uh, William Byron, I would argue he may be second. Like w- when you look at the stats, he may be. I can definitely see Chad Canals like getting William Byron out front and winning the Coke 600 based on strategy um, or like fuel mileage or something. But the 24 car does have the speed, so don't count him out on that side of things. And Chase, I mean. He's out for revenge on Kyle Busch, right? Who knows if he's actually going to retaliate and wreck him, but I have a feeling he's just going to kind of make his life very hard and a living hell. Stewart House Racing is also really quick with Penske as well. Ford's actually occupied seven of the top ten in the point standings entering the race on Wednesday. It was all four Stewart House Racing cars and all three Team Penske cars. He had Harvick, Almarola, um, or no, sorry, it wasn't all four Stewart Haas cars because Cole Custer wasn't there. But it was uh, Harvick, Almarola, Boyer, and then you had Logano, Blaney, and Keselowski. And I forget who the other Ford was. Maybe it was only six out of the ten. I don't know. Regardless, you see what I'm trying to say. Ford is solid. They are the best manufacturer right now. I think, I don't know who's second, but Ford's pretty sporty right now. Can the Toyotas, besides Denny Hamlin, Possibly get to victory lane. I mentioned Truex. He's the defending winner and a two-time winner of this race. Kyle Busch, he's been fast. He finished second at Darlington in the Cup race. He finished second at Darlington in the Xfinity race. He's going to compete in all seven races across this 11-day span. He's yet to win. I don't know if he's going to be able to get it done on Sunday, but if there's anybody that can, we know that it is Kyle Busch. But can they compete with the raw speed that Hendrick Motorsports brings? That's what I'm going to be looking out for. The race, you can catch it at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Big Fox, May 24th, this upcoming Sunday. It's actually my girlfriend's birthday that day. Happy birthday, Rob. Uh, Her name is Robin, not Rob. I'm not dating a man. Let the record show. 
Uh, so I'll be in and out watching this race, and uh, I'm sure she'll probably watch some of it, but she wants to spend her birthday not watching the longest NASCAR race of the season, which I understand. But I'll be watching some of it. I hope you guys will be too. Again, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Memorial Day on Fox. Look, that's up that week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Roman, a men's digital health brand. <laughs> digital? Did I say digital? I meant digital. They will sponsor Ryan Newman in the Coke 600. I saw a funny tweet. It was like the six car with Viagra on it, an Oscar Mayer wiener on it, and now Roman. That's uh, that's good. Garrett Smithley is going to make his truck series debut for Nice Motorsports at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the number 40 truck. NASCAR and IMG Arena are going to offer a virtual betting game to sports books across the United States. They've partnered with Penn National Gaming recently to have the NASCAR finish line app. Um, they're doing a lot in the sports betting atmosphere of stuff. And my uncle, who lives in Vegas, keeps asking me for some NASCAR picks. And let me just say, I'm giving him some locks. So if you want some locks, hit me up. Carparts.com is extending their sponsorship of Michael McDowell for two more races. So good on them and Front Row Motorsports for getting another sponsor. And a Dale Earnhardt Sr. car auctioned off by Richard Childress sold for more than $425,000 at an auction. And thankfully, all of that money is going to go to coronavirus relief, I believe, to some food banks. But regardless, he's not pocketing that money. He is giving that money away to charity. So go down Richard Childress for that. That will wrap things up for episode 58 of Victory Lane 2.0. Very packed episode. Audio heavy. No guests this week. But we had a lot of racing to recap. So I wanted to run it all down for you. I might try to have some guests on in the future if we keep doing this multiple races a week type deal through June. Maybe even July. Who knows? And try to recap the races with them. Because like this... It's been pretty fun by myself, but I can I, I can guess that you guys are probably getting tired of hearing my voice. So I will shut up. Before I go, please leave a rating and a review for this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, anything, anywhere that you get this podcast. I hope that we are there for your consumption. Peace and love, my dude and dudettes. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Thank you to all you veterans for your service. We sincerely appreciate you. This weekend is about you and you only. Again, we appreciate your service and we thank you. Enjoy the Coke 600 this weekend and enjoy the other races. Xfinity and Truck is back at Charlotte. And I'll talk to you guys on the flip side. Stay golden and wash those hands. <laughs>